Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Coming up on Believe in Soccer, MLS Final Four. The quartet of teams alive in the quest for MLS Cup. Plus, another coaching vacancy as Greg Vanny puts Toronto in his rearview mirror after a successful seven-year run comes to an end with a disappointing finish. The Shep Messing Podcast begins now. As we settle in behind these microphones, there are just nine days remaining in the MLS season. Have there been hiccups? Absolutely. One can make the case that Columbus' most recent playoff game should never have been played. It was. And as far as we know, it's game on Sunday as well for the Eastern Conference Championship. With Shep Messing, I'm Steve Cangelosi. We've praised the league for getting us this far. Still not sure the right call was made with the decision to move forward with Columbus, Nashville, after seven players tested positive for COVID, but it was. And guess what now, Shep? We can see the finish line to the end of the season after that. Uh, Steve, look, we're all looking for something to smile about. And when you talk about MLS navigating through this season, through the playoffs, protocols in place, I'd make the argument they did as well or better than any other professional sport in the country. Uh, everybody else is having their problems. Whether or not that game should have been played or not, look, seven players is a lot. Uh, I believe two were regular guys in the starting 11, the goalkeeper and Derek Etienne Jr. Uh, they played the game, and, and I, think, I think MLS, we've talked about it, they've done a great job. Let's all hope it lasts until MLS Cup. All right, we'll get to the cruise victory over Nashville in a moment. The inaugural MLS season launched with 10 teams, one of which the Tampa Bay Mutiny no longer exists. Only three of the nine original clubs remaining have never won MLS Cup. The Metro Stars evolved into the Red Bulls, the Dallas Burn, which became FC Dallas, and the New England Revolution, who in the year 2020 go by the same name. But something feels different now because I'm not sure that this club that finished eighth in the Eastern Conference table this season is not the favorite now to win it all after a 3-1 to victory versus Orlando City in the conference semifinals. Well, Steve, I jumped on their bandwagon, you know that, a while ago. And, of course, I'm a big Bruce Arena fan, but he was very calculating about saying, you know what, in, in the Bruce fashion, I don't care where we finish in terms of seed. I'm gearing this team for the playoffs. I want my big three healthy. So what? Give me an eighth seed. (laughs) So far, it's working out for New England. Mauricio Pereira was issued a straight red card for a studs-up challenge to Matt Polster's leg. A couple of things here. At some point this winter, Oscar Pereira, who was my choice for coach of the year, you know that, needs to explain to his team that our chances of winning these games improve exponentially if we keep 11 guys on the field. They got what they deserved in this game, Shep. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, they did. They really did. And, and, and look, he's done a great job. But, yeah, it helps when you play an 11 v. 11. And, you know, no debate at all about that straight red. That's just Look, I always talk about it, Steve, during a game. They're mental mistakes and they're physical mistakes. It's the game of soccer. Everybody's going to make physical mistakes. Miss trap, shank a ball, 
a poor clearance, but the mental mistakes, and that was a mental mistake that cost you games. All right. Uh, you played and I did not. So I'm not sure if you're going to be with me, with me on this. Alex Chilowitz, the referee, shows a lot of restraint. Now, Taylor Twelman on ESPN made mention of Nani making contact with the referee, which a player should never do. And he's right. I was more disturbed by Junior Urso screaming at the ref about six inches from his face like some deranged lunatic on a New York City subway platform. If I'm the refs, I'm fed up with this. When the dust settles on the season, you know something? I'm meeting with MLS players rep, and I'm going to say we're not taking this anymore. There has to be more reverence shown for the officials, in my opinion. I'm not sure if you're with me on this or not. I know maybe you like to give the players some latitude here. Yeah, no, I'm going to shock you, Steve. I'm not only with you, I'll go beyond you. I think it's outrageous. The, the behavior that's being displayed. Look, in that particular game, bang, I give Nani two yellow cards as soon as he's getting near me and he's out of the game in the first half. Absolutely shocking. And the same for Urso. I'd bang him with a yellow and another yellow card if he opens his mouth again and throw him out. Look, the game is big. These games are on TV. Kids all over the country are watching this game. You cannot condone that kind of behavior. And look, Nani and Urso, absolutely, they should have been thrown out of the game. But every time there's a call, players are engaging with the referee. I think it's a big issue. And I think, and I'm sure in the league office, they don't like that look. And you know what, Steve? It's easy to get rid of it. Easy. Pro does a good job. Sit everybody down. Talk to the league, talk to the coaches, and say, guess what? Next year, it's a new year. I think I'm with you. We have this culture that's developed where we want to make sure that the referees don't make the game about themselves. There's the old line, the adage, nobody came to see the ref officiate a game, and I get that. But I think we're on the same page here, obviously, and you go a little further. Let's talk a little bit more about the game. Carlos Heels' return from injury has just made all the difference now for the revolution. And according to Bruce Arena, it's what he's done for Gustavo Ball that is obvious. It gets Gustavo off the ball a lot more in the middle third of the field, which is not his strength. Uh, it gets him a little bit closer to goal. And, you know, I've said before, Gustavo's a goal scorer. He's uh, uh, not much more than that. If you, if you can understand what I'm saying, I'm not complaining, but he's a goal scorer. So we need to, we need to get him close to goal. And when Carlos is on the field, he can, uh, certainly concentrating on getting in good goal scoring positions. And he, he has uh, since college has returned to play. So they've won road games at Philadelphia and Orlando. They're not underdogs versus Columbus, are they? No, and I, I don't think they are. And I was talking to my son who likes to, uh, shall I say, look up the odds for these games. And sure. I said the same thing. I said, you know what? If the, when the playoffs started, New England Revolution would have been a big underdog to, to Columbus. No more. Look, I think it's going to be a great game. I'm still giving the edge to New England. And, and it's, it's the guys you talked about, Gustavo Bo and, and Carlos Hill and Buxa and, and Matt Turner in goal. So should be a great game.
The Cruise 2-0 win versus Nashville ends the improbable dream of an expansion franchise winning it all. I know that happened with Chicago in 1998. The league is so different now, though. It's better. Nashville hung in there for more than 90 minutes before Pedro Santos scores an extra time, and then Jassy Zardes does the same just minutes later. Nashville just needed to get this to a penalty shootout. They almost did, Shep. They came so close, and if it did get that far... You never know. Maybe we're talking about another upset win for this team. Well, you're talking about a great season for, for Nashville. No doubt about it. And and the one player that rose to the occasion, uh, really for Nashville all 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 year. I mean, Alex Mouille and, and Dax McCarty, those guys are Red Bull fans familiar with them. Dax McCarty showed me leadership in taking an expansion team, doing whatever had to be done and he played extremely well. I thought Dax played in these playoffs as well as I, I've seen him in his whole career. And Mawil, that's the perfect team for him. So good for them. Again, seven crew players tested positive for COVID, including two starters unavailable for the game, goalkeeper Aloy Room and midfielder Derek Etienne Jr. And then in the aftermath of the game, an eighth player tested positive. In a soccer sense, this made for a challenging week for head coach Caleb Porter's team. Yeah, I knew I knew it wouldn't be perfect today, um, because you know we didn't even touch a ball for two days last week. Um, didn't even touch a ball, and the only prep day we had was the day before the game, and um, you know it's difficult to do much on that day. We knew tactically they'd be ready. There would be no surprises in what we have to do, but when you don't get reps, um, then it's not going to be as clean cohesive and sharp and I think you saw that a little bit today but I thought second half you just saw the mentality we saw our game I mean, we had them completely pinned back we had complete control of the game um, we were in the front half we were on the ball we were counter pressing we lost it um, they had very little chances in that second half and even though we couldn't find the goal we stayed patient um, we didn't give anything away and you know eventually um, you know, we're going to find a way through. So Zardes had gone cold for Columbus late in the season. Now he's back. He's scored in each of their playoff wins. And what's been eye-opening for me, Shep, is how good Pedro Santos has been. He scored 11 goals last season, and now he's regaining top form. And there's a real bite to his game, too. He is a big part of what they do. And I'll, I'll tell you why I think he's playing the way he's playing. Uh, the two guys sitting behind him. Darlington, Nagby, and Arthur. They really mm. give him the confidence that he can have some, some freedom. He doesn't go wherever he wants to go, but I think he doesn't have any more defensive responsibilities, and he's free to go create, and he's, he's free to go to goal. So he's been the beneficiary of those two guys behind him. Hey, Caleb Porter's won championships at Akron and in MLS already with Portland. If he can win two more games and win the cup with the crew, I'm sorry. This cements him as one of the most successful coaches in American soccer history. Maybe some people have them on that platform already, but if he does this with another MLS team, this is rarefied air now, and we're talking about a legendary coaching career, and he's still not that old. Look, you know what I think about Bruce Arena and who else did it at the college level, winning multiple NCAA championships, then doing it with D.C. United, then the L.A. Galaxy, Caleb Porter. 
He's following the same path. I'm with you on that. And remember, he took over a team where we all thought, look, it's Caleb Porter. He's going to turn this thing around. And, and boy, did he turn it around quickly. All right, before we turn our attention to the West, uh, let's get your thoughts on coaching news in the East. Greg Vanny resigns as head coach in Toronto. All we were hearing for months, they're working on an extension. They're close, and yet they never got it done. Galaxy, D.C., Atlanta, openings are there. Is this a coach who can have the choice of any job currently available at MLS? I have a couple of thoughts about that, Steve, and you were just talking about Caleb Porter Mm -hmm. and Bruce Arena. When I look at, at coaches in this league who I would consider builders, right, they could really take a project from from flatline up to MLS Cup and championships. Uh, Bruce Arena, uh, Peter Vermees for me, and I put Greg Vanny right in that category, probably Caleb Porter as well. So there's certain guys who really can take it from zero to 100. Uh, I, I think he deserves and he's earned any job in the league that he wants. All right. He won the treble MLS cup, the Canadian championship and the supporters shield in 2017. Toronto remember, wasn't very good when he first took the job today. They're one of MLS top franchises. And you use the key word builder in a strange way. The position in Toronto for Vanny, he said had lost its luster a bit. Here's why I'm a builder. I'm, I'm, I like, I like to build things and, and I like projects and I like big things. And this club is in a really, really good place. There's not a lot of building to do. There is, you know, it is an incredible club that is, you know, positioned from where we started to where we are to, to be great. And, uh, and so I think in, in some of the learning and all of that is in building and, and making mistakes and trying new things. And, And so that's, you know, that's part of it for me is, where does where does it go and how do I continue to develop here and and but also uh, and most importantly it's just kind of there's family inside of these decisions and and personal things inside of these decisions that that weigh into that. He is loved in Canada. Here's what I'm thinking: one more job for him, and even though he's a U.S. born coach, Virginia born, I wonder if down the pike he'd be open to coaching the Canadian national team someday. They love him north of the border. As they should, <laughs> Steve. I never thought about that one. Uh, you mentioned the job openings. You know, I, I read some news today that Chris Armas, for, formerly of Red Bull, of course, is down on the short list for D.C. United. And I listened to uh, Landon Donovan on Grant Wall's podcast today, and Landon was pretty interesting when he came to talking about the L.A. Galaxy job. So, yes, I think the Canadian national team would be awesome. But I'm focused on the L.A. Galaxy, and Landon was very interesting. Grant Wall said, have you found what you want to do, your passion, after this one COVID season in, in mm-hmm. USL? And, and Landon said, absolutely. I love it. I love coaching. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And they were talking about the Galaxy, how far they've fallen, what the culture used to be, Bruce Arena championships, that all-star team. And, and Grant asked Landon, well, who – who do you think the, the next coach of the team should be? And Landon said, me. And he, he was, Steve, he was being serious. I mean, he deferred to Greg Vanny, brought Greg Vanny's name right up. He said, look, Greg Vanny is the perfect guy. And for the rest of the podcast, it was always either Greg Vanny 
or me. So let's keep an eye on on what happens out there with the L.A. Galaxy. But I think, to your point, uh, Greg Vanny has earned any job in the league or with a national team uh, that he wants to take. How many guys around the world do you think maybe have coached for three weeks and they say, you know something, I have more experience than Pirlo and he's managing Juventus right? <laughs> when he got the job. It's kind of like the rules have changed, but the, uh, the, the thing I would say to the Galaxy, be real careful here. Yeah, I'll give you another little rumor, though, a whisper I'm hearing uh, yeah. about maybe the next coach in Major League Soccer to end up coaching in Europe. Uh, and it's far-fetched right now, but, you know, Real Madrid, of course, in, in disarray. Zidane there. A lot of talk about Raul taking over. I don't think he's the front-runner. Pochettino really is. But if Raul, if and when Raul gets a job in Spain, mm-hmm. guess who I think is going to join him there? Uh, Giovanni Savarese. Because the ceiling, you talked about Gio and what, how how great a career he's had so far. Speaks three languages, very close to Raul when he coached him here. And if Raul gets a job, I would not be surprised to see Gio did what Jesse Marsh did. Well, there's uh, Lee, a Cosmos connection here, correct? Yeah, he coached him. Brought him. He brought Raul here from Spain. Uh, coached him with the Cosmos. Raul absolutely loves him. They stay in touch. And, uh, you know, I think he'd go the Jesse Marsh route. Interesting to see what happens with Chris Armas. As for the Red Bulls, they revealed that Bradley Carnell will stay on as a Gerhard Struber assistant. Uh, that's a reward for a job well done as an interim head coach. I, I would say that's good news. For the team, what, what what was your thought when you heard it? Yeah, I thought I thought great news. Uh, it certainly makes the transition to the new manager a seamless one. Bradley Carnell, uh, you know, he deserves credit for what he did. He earned it in, in the eyes of Kevin Thelwell and the organization. So I I think great for Red Bull and 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 great for Bradley Carnell. He he deserves really. Uh, both to stay with Red Bull and to go uh, if and when that time or that opportunity presents itself. I asked the Red Bull's head of sport, Kevin Thelwell, if this situation is still fluid. If Carnell is approached by a team filling a head coaching vacancy, would the Red Bulls afford him that opportunity? We were very pleased with Bradley during the interim period. We thought he did very, very well for us. Um, We wanted him to give him the opportunity to talk and speak to Gerhard about the strategy and the vision of this football club's going forward. And I'm delighted to say that, that Bradley has committed his future to us. And so long may that continue. Of course, in, in, of course, in due course, Steve, if there's interest in him, then we'll have a very mature and very transparent conversation with Bradley about it. But for the, but for the, for the current time, he's a, he's a big part of the coaching staff going forward and we're delighted to have him. Uh, and we're delighted to see what he can achieve with Gerhard and Bernd uh, as, as a part of that new coaching setup. So they're going to get younger, but nobody has a handle on the players that will continue with the club in 2021 better than Bradley Carnell at this point. L- let's get to the West. Seattle over FC Dallas, one to nothing. Another playoff victory for the Sounders under Brian Schmetzer. Shane O'Neill with the game's only goal in the 49th minute. His first goal of any kind in MLS since May of 2014. Seattle now is one victory shy of its fourth final in the last five years. That's that's dynasty's territory. 
Yeah, and that's why I can't wait for them to lose. <laughs> I hate seeing, <laughs> I, I, you know, how many times are we going to see Seattle and Toronto FC? Okay, Toronto's out. Uh, let, let's get rid of this. Look, I love the Sounders. My biggest game I ever played in my career, Pele's final game, was against the Seattle Sounders, uh, winning a championship with Pele. So I love them, but I'm sick of them. So, look, that was a tough game against yeah. Dallas, and I think tougher than they thought it would be. Schmetzer broke down the game this way. He said, we made one play that they didn't. That's it. That's all that separated the teams. This was the unlikely hero O'Neal postgame. That was a tough opponent out there for sure. I felt the first half, um, it was a real 50-50 game. Kind of was kind of hanging in the balance. Uh, I wouldn't say they had the better of the game, but it was definitely, you know, we were feeling the pressure. And I think, you know, at times they were feeling the pressure. So... That breakthrough was um, obviously a big relief, but they kept pushing t towards the end. And I think, uh, honestly, our mentality was pretty big time tonight. We kept playing to win. Um, we didn't really drop off and sit in and, and just kind of pack it in and let them do what they wanted even towards the end there. So, um, yeah, it was just a big time team mentality. And one thing to tie this game up, Nico Ladero delivered the outswing corner kick. And I think now this is a legitimate question. Is this one of the 10 best players or productive players maybe in MLS history? Because this is at least one assist now in six straight playoff games for Ladero. What a player. Yeah, and, and Steve, to your point, I'd put him in there. I mean, he is, look, not not in particularly, not particularly charismatic, doesn't, you know, not, not as Latan Ibrahimovic, but in terms of performance and productive, production this is a guy that everybody wants to have on on your team he's a great player and to get to an mls cup final for the fourth time in five years the sounders don't have to get on a plane that's because thursday night minnesota united takes care of business knocking off the top seed in the west sporting kc three to nothing you were kind of all over this. You did not have a strong belief in sporting Kansas City, really from the get-go in this postseason. And simply, Minnesota came in. They were the better team, Shep. Well, I'll tell you what, Steve. I, I always felt that uh, I didn't see sporting KC. They had a great season, but they never really struck me as a team, even at home, was going to get uh, further than this. But I, I thought I was wrong, Steve, the first 10, 15 minutes, mm. uh, Sporting KC could have put this game away or certainly changed the game, but their young goalkeeper, St. Clair, a couple of big saves, and after that, all Minnesota. Kevin Molino, for the longest time, has been just a terrific, dynamic player, and now he's on the stage where I think a lot of the non-MLS diehards, they're all getting a look at him now for the first time and understanding just what Minnesota has. The second goal that he scored was really special, wasn't it? Yeah, I'll tell you what, what a goal it was. And, and you talk about a partnership, Reynosa. I mean, if you're going to spend five million bucks on an Argentine, that's the way to go because those two guys in a partnership with Molino, Reynosa and Molino, that second goal that you alluded to, that flick over the top, he takes it out of the air with the right foot, an awkward angle, puts it to the back post. You know, if that goal is scored in the Premier League, we're seeing that yeah. in highlights all over the world. Debassi scored, that made it 3 nothing, and there just wasn't much happening for Sporting Kansas City for the balance of the game. 
they're out. Minnesota will now try to become the first team in 15 tries to win a postseason game at Seattle. And all during the broadcast, I know on Fox, this was being painted as great news for the Sounders. And I certainly understand why. Sometimes this is a case of be careful what you wish for. They get to play at home. They've got a tougher game, though, than it might have been against Sporting Kansas City. Do you believe in that? Yeah, absolutely. And, and look, it's not as if Minnesota got lucky, scored a goal, and, and they're off to play Seattle. They're coming into this game with confidence, with a swagger. It's a homecoming for, I thought, a player that did very well today, that Espinosa against Ozzy Alonso matchup in the game uh, today. Well, Ozzy Alonso is coming back to Seattle where he had many, many great years and and MLS Cup there. This is going to be a real good game. Okay. Do you have a prediction for the game? We called the first one sort of a toss-up with New England and Columbus. Kind of hard to separate the two teams. Is it just as hard to separate in this game? Yeah, definitely. I think this is a 50-50 game. But I, I look, Steve, you know me. I, I'm never a guy who doesn't want to go out on a limb. I, I'm calling it right now. I think it's going to be MLS Cup hosted by Minnesota against New England. I, I think Minnesota, they're on a roll. I think they'll find a way to get a win, and I think they'll be facing New England. Chet Messing, you and I will have one look ahead to MLS Cup Final when the dust settles on the conference finals Sunday and Monday. We'll talk then. For now, thanks for listening to the Shep Messing Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.